Hey, this is Josh Herrera, and I am so glad that you have joined us today. If you are a part of our Lighthouse Church family, we would love to connect with you via our social media at Lighthouse Church NC or online at lighthousechurchnc.org. We want to get you plugged into a connect group or on the dream team so that you are doing life together with people just like you. We hope you enjoyed today's message and stay tuned for more announcements at the end of our podcast. Chapter six, it says as follows. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to play in public, who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. And jump with me to verse seven. When you pray, don't babble on and on as the Gentiles do. They think their prayers are answered merely by repeating their words again and again. And then you get to verse 9, and Jesus says, Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon, and may your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food that we need, that we need and forgive us of our sins as we have forgiven those who have sinned against us. And don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. This is a passage of scripture called the Lord's Prayer. And today I want to talk to you about a thought that the Lord has given me that simply says, pray this way. Would you look at your neighbor and tell them, pray this way? Can I trouble you one more time that just close your eyes, bow your heads, and let's just pray one last time. Father, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for all the incredible things that have already happened in our service. God, I thank you for the worship. I thank you, Father, for all the exciting camps that are coming up, and our kids are going back to school, and we've sent them off with the blessing, Lord God. And now we need to hear your word. So we open up our ears to hear. We open up our hearts to receive. Our spirits are receptive to you now, Father. And I pray, God, that your spirit do a work that my words can never do. Touch every heart. Make this word clear and make it applicable to them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands one more time. Pray this way. How many had a good week in prayer this week? I hope that some of y'all join me in going a little above and beyond. We are, as a community, going deeper into prayer for 21 days. If you were not here last Sunday, I would encourage you, go back and listen to the message on our podcast or on YouTube and catch up. Because what we did last Sunday was we began to set a pace, if you will, for where we are going for the next 21 days. Seven days are down, but we got 14 more days, and we set a pace. And I'd really love for you to get that message in you. And I, I think it's so important because of all the things that I could teach you as your pastor, teaching you how to pray is probably really high on that importance list. There are a few things more important that I can teach you as your pastor than to teach you how to pray. And so we get to this passage of scripture here in Matthew chapter 6, and the disciples noticed that Jesus would always take off to go and pray. The Bible says that he would leave early in the morning, and the Bible actually says it this way, he left early in the morning to pray as he was accustomed to doing. He had a certain time when he would pray. And the disciples observed this, and they would watch how Jesus would get up early in the morning and leave wherever they were and spent some alone time with the Father. And finally, one of the disciples, probably Peter, worked up enough courage to ask, will you teach us how to pray? 
We see you getting up and, and, and leaving the, the wherever we are staying and finding a place to pray. Would you show us how to pray? And what's beautiful about that is a lifestyle of prayer. And if you could get that, mom and dad, you're going to give that on to your children. If your children see you praying, they're going to catch something important. Because prayer is not just taught, but prayer, more importantly, is caught. Prayer is not just taught, but more importantly, prayer is caught. When you, you see someone prayer, you, you understand that they are a person of prayer, not because they told you that they prayed, because you've observed them praying. You observe that they have this daily appointment with the Father. You've observed that they have this daily appointment where they go and they talk to the Father. And so what Jesus did was he begins to set up this prayer known as the Lord's Prayer by saying, don't pray this way, and I don't want you to pray this way, and this is the way that I want you to pray. That lets us know is there is actually a plan to prayer. There is a right way to pray, and that's why I want to unpack some plans for you so that you get and you understand the right way to pray. And then he began to tell them, this is the way that I want you to pray. And the thing that he gave them was a description of prayer, not a prescription of prayer. It is a description of prayer, not a prescription of prayer. He said, I want you to pray this way. And he gave us a model. Everybody say a model. I know you can repeat the Lord's Prayer, and there's nothing absolutely wrong with repeating the Lord's Prayer. But understand, he wasn't trying to give you the exact words to pray as much as he was trying to give you a plan to how you are to approach him. As much as he's trying to give you a plan for prayer. And in this prayer, the Lord's Prayer, there are several things that he say that draw us into how we are to approach him in prayer. The first part of that prayer is our Father who is in heaven. And the first thing we need to do with God, I want you to write this down, is we need to connect with God relationally. We connect with God relationally. When you go before God in prayer, you need to understand that we were once far from God. We were once not the children of God, but because of what his son has done for us, because of what Jesus did on the cross for us, we now have been adopted into this relationship with him, and we now have become the sons and the daughters of God. How am you excited about being called the son or the daughter of God? We have a relationship with him. God has always wanted something more from us, and that more is simply this, a relationship. And it is because of that relationship that we have with him that he teaches us, this is the way that I want you to approach me. Approach me from a place of relationship. He is not to be approached as some all-powerful being to be feared, although he is all of those things. He said, no, 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 no. I want you to approach me as your son. I want you to approach me as a daughter because that's who you are in my eyes. I want you to come to me knowing that we have a relationship. There is a connection that we have. There is a bond that we have. You're not coming to me like I'm the landlord and you're the tenant. You're not coming to me like I'm the boss and you work for me. You're not coming to me like I'm your master and you're my slave. No, you come to me like you're my son or you're my daughter. We need to begin our prayer from a place of relationship, knowing that I have a relationship with Jesus. Think about that for a second, parents. How do your kids come to you? How do your kids approach you? 
Or let me flip the script for those of you that don't have kids. How do you approach mom and dad? How many of you still find a lot of comfort in going to mom and dad's house? Come on, where are my adults that can be real and say, man, there's just something, there's just something about going to mom and dad's house. And how, how many of you have seen that it doesn't matter what type of conversation you might be having with someone in front of you, when your kid wants your attention, they are going to get your attention. How many know what I'm talking about? They're coming and they're pulling at your leg. and Daddy, daddy, daddy. And it doesn't matter what conversation I'm having. And I'm just going to apologize right now in advance. Some of you will catch me at the lobby after church, and you might be pouring your heart out to me, and I'm about to do some counseling. But when my boys want something, you better believe they are like, right, there. You can have tears coming down your eyes, and my kids aren't going to care. And your kids are the same way. Don't look at me cross-eyed like, what's wrong with his kids? Your kids are the same way too. I've seen them. But our children approach us like that because they have a relationship. Our kids approach us like that because they know that there is a deeper bond here. And my boys could care less sometimes about you all, and I mean that out of a place of love. But when they need something, they're going to make it known, Dad, I need something, and I need something now. But it is that proximity, it is that closeness, it is that relationship that they have with me that allows them to get away with something. Trust me, if it was you that was doing to me, all right, if it was you that was tugging at my leg when I'm trying to talk to another member, I probably wouldn't share with you the same affection that I share to my kid. There's something different that my kids have with me, and that is a relationship. And because they have that relationship, and they have that comfort, and they have that confidence, they know that they can come to me as my sons. I don't have any daughters. They can come to me as my sons. That's the approach to prayer that you need to have. When Jesus taught his disciples, our Father who is in heaven, he was saying, approach me first and foremost from a place of relationship. I don't, and you know what the beautiful thing about approaching God through a place of relationship? Watch this now. It doesn't matter how bad we've been. It doesn't matter how many times we've disappointed God. It does not negate the fact that he is our father. And you might be thinking, oh, but if he only knew what I did, maybe God wouldn't want to talk to me. Listen, God is that parent that is always going to want to talk to you. And when you are in the most trouble, how many parents can raise your hand and say, when my kids are in the most amount of trouble, when they need me the most, that's when I most want to be there for them. The same way it is with God. When you come to God and you might come in with your head hanging low because you feel like I've disappointed him. I, I've let God down. I didn't do the thing that I was supposed to do. That's the time that he most wants to talk to you. That's the time that he most wants to talk to you. As parents, we have this wired in us, don't we? How many of you hear your kid let out a shrill and you're just like, you go. You know what I'm talking about, mom and dad. You, you, you can hear something and you just go. You drop everything and you go. And the same way it is with God. When all hell is breaking loose in your life, don't think for a moment that you can't approach God because of what you did yesterday. Do not think for a moment that you cannot approach God because of what happened last night. Do not think you cannot approach God. When you are the furthest from him, that's when he wants to draw you the closest to him. Approach him from a place of relationship. Approach him from the place that he loves you even on your worst day. And so we approach him from this place, Father, I know that I am your son. And because I have a relationship with you, I want to have this access to you. And I'm going to pause here and insert a commercial. There are four things that we want from you here at this church. And the first one is we want for you to know God. 
The reason that I want for you to know God is there are many people that come to church that think they know God and they have the wrong, they have the absolute wrong perception of God. Some of you picture God as in heaven in a cloud. Kind of looks like Ariel, the little mermaid's dad without the tail. With a lightning bolt ready to just wreak down vengeance on anyone that does something they're not supposed to do. That's not the perception of God that you need to have. That's why we want for you to know God. I know all about God. No, no, do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? That's why our four values, we want you to know God, we want you to find freedom, we want you to discover your purpose, and then we want you to go out there and make a difference. And can I tell you the good news? Today is step one of the growth track. And so today is the first point in getting to know God. So right after service, if you, if you want to know more about God and you're saying, Pastor, how do I know more about God so that I can approach him from this place of relationship that you're talking about? Because I don't have a relationship with him. The best thing you can do is start going to growth track, and that happens today, right after service. i got better news for you. If you've got kids, we're going to watch your kids. And if they're hungry, we're going to feed them. And if you're hungry, we're going to feed you too. Because that's what we do at Growth Track. We're going to remove every obstacle or barrier from you getting there. But I would love for you to get to Growth Track right after service. I'm going to be there. My wife's going to be there. Some of our pastors are going to be there. We're going to watch your kids. We're going to feed you lunch. And I say all that because I want you to have that relationship with Jesus. And if you don't know what's next, I can tell you that Sunday is not enough. And so if you meet me, I'm going to talk to you about how we can get you on a plan to knowing God. Does that sound good? Growth track step one today, right after this service. I want you to know God. So our Father who is in heaven, we approach him from this, this, this place of relationship. And then it says, hallowed be thy name. The second thing you need to do is you need to worship his name. You need to then worship his name. Everybody say worship. Worshiping his name is understanding that it's nothing that I do changes who he is. Okay. I mean, that, that's so important. I have to say that again. Nothing that I do changes who God is. It doesn't change who he is. doesn't change how he feels about you. And because it doesn't change who he is, your approach to him shouldn't change. You see, you don't just worship God when things are going right in your life because he hasn't changed. You don't just worship God when everything is rosy in your life because he hasn't changed. And unfortunately, that's what some of us do when we come to church. We come into church and because things aren't going our way, we ain't going to give God our best praise. Come in there looking like you just sucked on some lemon. Brother Joe, Pastor Joe's up here going ham, jumping around, getting you to worship. You got the worship team that's sitting out there. They ain't singing, and they're, and they're worshiping. And some of you think that because you've had a bad day, you're not, you're not obligated to worship God. The thing about worship is, is worship has everything to do with him and nothing to do with you. I'm sorry, but worship... <laughs> Worship is what we give him because of who he is. It, worship is what we give him in spite of what's going on in our life. And, and when I understand that, I'm going to give God the, all the worship that I could give him no matter what is going on in my life. doesn't matter if I'm fighting with my wife, he's still worthy. If my kids are acting up, he's still worthy. If I lost my job, he's still worthy. Things aren't going, going good at school, he's still worthy. Worship begins to do this incredible thing because when we worship him, we begin to remember just how big he is. And when we remember just how big he is, we forget about just how small our problems are. And that's why I would say to you, the more problems you got in your life, the more worship you should be bringing to him. Everybody say, more problems, more worship. 
None of that more money, more problems stuff. No, 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 no. We're flipping that, okay? We're flipping that at Lighthouse. We're going to say, say it one more time. Say more problems, more worship. Because worship changes the perspective of who he is and the problems that you are dealing with are. Because when you worship him for who he is, you begin to remember how he's always been there for you when you've needed him to be there for you. And even in the middle of the crisis in your life right now, you can literally worship your way out of that crisis because you'll go to God and you'll remember just how big he is. He'll remind you of just how big he's made you to be. And when you walk out of that prayer closet, if you've given God the word, that he's worthy of, all of a sudden those problems that look like they were too big for you, you're coming out of that prayer closet like King Kong because you feel like I'm bigger than the problem. That's what worship does. It's like that kitten that looks in the mirror and it sees a lion on the reflection. Worship will do that to you. Worship will make you feel a lot more confident because your confidence is in him. And when my hope and confidence is in him, I know that he has won every single battle. How many know that he's undefeated? I said, how many of you know that he is undefeated? It's like going to a fight after school and the biggest, baddest fighter in your school is on your side. He's got your back. He's with you. And you know you can't lose. That's what it's like when you worship God. It reminds you of just how big he is. And it also gets you the right perspective of just how small your problems are. You see, the, the incredible thing about worship, it always reminds us that we win. It always reminds us that we win. So we come to him and say, our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And then we get to this next part that says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What we need to do next is pray his agenda first. Everybody say his agenda. Because many of you want to pray your agenda. Yeah, we, we, we come to God and we say, God, I need a man. God, I need a house. God, I need a car. God, I need this. Some of you are like, God, I need a better man. <laughs> the one I got's broken. He don't work. <laughs> I need a better job. This job ain't good for me. That might be the job where God wants you to be. And when you come to God with your agenda, you negate his agenda. And this is the language here at Lighthouse. We're not asking, to get, we're not asking God to get on our side. We want to get on God's side. And we need to prioritize his agenda. When, when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and is in heaven, what we are doing is we are yielding our agenda. Now, it's not wrong to have an agenda. You want to have some intentionality for your life. You want to have purpose. You want to have plans. You want to have a path. But those things are secondary to the purposes, to the purpose and the plans that God has for my life. So I'm, I'm not saying get into your prayer closet and don't be a contributing, effective member of this society. But what I am saying is, is that in all of your plans and in all of the, in all of the dreams that you have for your life, Make sure you lay them before God and say, but God, I want what you want for me. But God, I ultimately want your agenda for me. I talked about this. There was a message called the problem with potential. You should go back and hear it. And we talked about that and we unpacked that. Well, I've got the potential to do this. I've got the potential to do this. But is that what God wants for you to do? That's why we need to live lives on purpose, not just potential. Some of you have potential to do a lot of amazing things, but that's not God's plan for you. Just because you could does not mean you should. And so when we say, I want your will for my life, we're saying, God, I want your agenda for my life first. Because when we make his agenda the biggest agenda, we are now speaking the language of the culture of the kingdom of God. 
The language of the culture of the kingdom of God is I will surrender my potential to his purpose because at the end of the day, I want his plans for my life. God will let you run at your own pace. He will absolutely let you run at your own pace. But do not expect him to bless the mess that you get into because that was your mess that you made. It's kind of like my kids. I know I've been talking a lot about my kids. I can't help it. I got a three, five, and nine-year-old. But, but my wife had this idea at this home that we bought recently. Um, she said, we're going to have a playroom. How many parents got playrooms in their house? Aren't playrooms just the devil? They're never clean. It's always a mess. I mean, you, you find sippy cups with, like, like, some rotten milk in there. You're like, oh, my God, where was this? You know, playrooms. But it's like, I'll tell my kids, go clean up that playroom. But, Dad, you need to help me. I'm like, I've never felt more like God. I'm like, I didn't make that mess. Don't make me clean that up. I feel, that's how I feel like we are. That's a, that, that image right there. And my son Jude's the worst. He will like literally lay down on the floor, arms spread. Dad, you need to help me. And I'm like, I didn't make the mess. Why do I need to help you? I kind of feel like that's the visual when we go to God with our mess. And I'm talking about the mess that we made. When you knew not to get in that relationship, but he had big arms. He had abs. missionary dating. Really? It's a soul for the Lord, pastor. And then you get all this mess in your life. You're like, where is God? And he's like, everyone told you not to go into that relationship. It's a mess you walked into. That's what happens when we don't submit to his agenda. That's what happens when we're just trying to live our life and do us. That's why I hate that language. You do you. No, no, no. I don't want to do me. I want to do God. I want his agenda. I want his plans for my life. I want to be submitted to his purpose. Because when I'm submitted to his purpose, everything is going to align itself. Everything will align itself when we are submitted to his purpose. I mean, look around you. Look, look to the left and to the right of you. As a church, we, we, we are just four months old as a church. Give yourselves a round of applause for being with us on this journey. But you need to know that this is also not normal. Most churches at four months old don't operate at this capacity. But what happens is when you get on God's side and you follow God's plans and it is God's will for your life, he goes before you. He opens up doors supernaturally. He brings people. He grows things, and it's because you did it his way, not your way. So if you feel like you're hitting door after door after door in your life, that's the time to pause and ask yourself, am I doing it God's way or am I trying to do it my way? Because I have found that when you do it God's way, there is, a, there is a flow of grace that goes before you. And when that flow of grace goes before you, you know that he will open up doors that you don't have to open. He will put you in front of people that is going to blow your mind. One of our interest meetings in October, in October, when we were just having a conversation about starting the church. And I was really struggling with where we were having these meetings. No, I think it was in January. In January, I was really struggling with where we we're going to have these meetings because I wanted to get out of the location we were using. I really wanted to get out of this coffee shop. And I prayed. I said, God, I'm, I'm done doing vision meetings at the coffee shop. And God kept us at that coffee shop. Why? Because he sent the mayor to our vision gathering. And we got to know the, the mayor and connect with the mayor. And had I done it my way, I would have missed out on the opportunity to get to know one of the most influential people in this city. And we now have a relationship with the mayor because we followed God's plan rather than followed our plan and tried to make him bless our plans. I tell you, God is just like, look, we can do this easy, the easy way or the hard way. 
And I learned a long time ago, I want to do it the easy way. So your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Now we're talking about food. Amen. I'm kidding. Give us this day our daily bread. We need to depend on him for everything. Everybody say depend on him for everything. This is a posture check for some of you. This, this goes hand in hand with his agenda for your life. Because if you stop depending on God for everything that you have in your life, when you receive things and you don't attribute it from having come from God, you'll start thinking that it was you who opened up that door. You'll start to think and read your own press clippings. You'll think you're a wonder and not realize that it was God who opened up that door. And when you start talking about give us this day our daily bread, we're saying, God, everything that I need here in this life, I depend on you for it. I depend on you for depending on him for when you say give us this day our daily bread. And I know that, that, that that's great for for uh, prayers before eating a, a meal. That's really not what God is talking about here. The principle of this goes all the way back to the Old Testament when every single day God would supply Israel with manna every single morning. And when they were done with manna, he provided them with quail. But what he did is he gave them the food that they needed, but when the day was over, the food would spoil. They weren't supposed to save anything because the next morning God would give them fresh manna. What he was trying to say is every single morning uh, you get fresh grace and you get fresh mercy. The Bible says his mercies are new every single morning. God wants you to go to him for your daily bread. Everybody say daily bread. Some of you are trying to get through life living on last week's bread. That's nasty, y'all, okay? You need to live on daily bread. Stop eating from expired blessings when God has got something new for you. I don't know about you, but I don't want expired blessings. I want something fresh. I want something new. I want something that is now. This is why we go to God. And we receive from him. This is why I encourage you that morning is a great time to seek God. If your schedule doesn't allow for it, that's okay. But, but morning is a great time to seek from God. Well, the most important thing is that daily you're getting it. Daily you're going before God. Because God wants to talk to you daily. And he wants to give you something daily. It's a daily blessing from God. It's daily bread from God. Sundays are not enough. I got you for one hour and 15 minutes on a Sunday, and you got 167 hours throughout the week to yourself. That's okay when it comes to me and you, but that's not okay when it comes to you and God. It's not okay to give God one hour of your 168. What are you doing after you leave this place to connect with him? What are you doing to receive from him? Every single day you've got to receive from him. Every single day you've got to receive from him. And, and for those of you that have been doing this for a while, for all my mature Christians in the room, you realize the importance of that daily fill-up. Because what God expects of you, let me talk to my seasoned Christians here for a minute, okay? All of Jesus' cousins, let me talk to you in the room right now, okay? That daily fill-up is so important because God expects you to pour that out throughout the day. Everything that he gives to you is for you to in turn give to others. 
And when you come to him the next day, you better not come to him topped off. You better come to him depleted because you've poured of everything that God has given to you. You've poured it out at your coworkers. You've poured it out on people that you're doing life with in your small group. You've poured it out with your team. The point is we go to him daily to receive from him. People talk about the parable of the old wineskin and the new wineskin as if that's just seasonal. That can be daily too. Don't come to God with an old wineskin, but with a new wineskin mentality of every single day I need you to fill me up with something new, and I'm going to pour myself out today. And when I see you again next, when I see you tomorrow morning, God, you're going to fill me up once again. Doesn't that sound like a very fulfilled life to live in him? Knowing that part of the reason that we get our daily bread is he doesn't want you living on yesterday. He wants you to get something fresh every single day. He goes on to say, Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Forgive and be forgiven. This is hard for some of y'all to do. We did this this morning. We had prayer time this morning. Thank you for everyone that came and prayed with us at 9.30. I'd invite you back every Sunday. We're going to start meeting at 9.30 a.m. for prayer. And I took everyone through the Lord's Prayer. And then I challenged everyone in the room. We're going to do something hard right now. I want you to start praying for all the people that have wronged you. That's when most people are like, no. You don't know what they did to me. You don't know how they hurt me. But God is saying, unless you forgive those that have forgiven you, how can you expect to receive forgiveness? And if, you've received, if you have received forgiveness, you need to extend forgiveness. Listen, extending forgiveness has everything to do with your soul. As your pastor, I want your soul to be well. I want your mind to be clear. I want you to have a clear conscience. You know how hard it is? To hold a grudge against someone? Do you know how tiring that is? Your friend invites you to a party. You got to find out who's on the guest. Look, there you are on Facebook looking through the guest list. Are they going to be there? Are they going to be there? Oh, they're going. I'm not going. Really? Really? Do you really want to live that kind of life? Do you really want to be that person? Do you, listen, do you really want to add ammunition to the devil's weapons? That's you putting bullets in his gun that he's going to use to shoot you. Because he doesn't want your mind to be right. And he doesn't want your soul to be well. And when you don't forgive someone, that's drinking poison and expecting the other person to die from it. You're the one that drank it. So you've got to forgive people. You've got to let those things go. Don't be the person that carries the guilt. Listen, you are not responsible for their behavior, but you are absolutely responsible for yours. You need to steward yourself well. So if they don't forgive you, God will deal with it. But you better forgive them. You better get your mind right. You can't walk around through life carrying a mind that's messed up because you haven't learned to forgive the person that hurt you. And when you forgive them, you're going to, it's like breathing fresh air. It's like, it's amazing. So good. And that's the life that I want you to live. That's the life that I want you to live. This next part, I can't break it all down. I'm going to talk about this later, but lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. We need to engage in spiritual warfare in our prayers. How many know spiritual warfare is? See, whether you want to believe it or not, you're in a war. I'm in a war? Yes, you are in a war. The, The devil is real. Demons are real. And he desperately wants to kill you. He wants to, the Bible says his, his mission statement, it's written on the walls of hell, <laughs> is to steal, kill, and destroy. 
That's what the enemy does. Jesus wants to simply bring life and life in abundance. And so when we engage in spiritual warfare, that's when we begin to rebuke every attack of the enemy on your life. And it's okay to say, I come against every stronghold in the name of Jesus. I rebuke the attack on my marriage in Jesus' name. I rebuke the attack on my family in Jesus' name. I come against every lying devil that would try to reap corrupt, that would try to sow corruption into my children. Parents, you gotta engage in the warfare for your kids. Come on now. We're about to send our kids back to school. Just last Sunday, we were praying for Ohio and we were praying for Oregon. And we're about to send our kids back into school. Now more than ever, they need you standing in the gap, praying for them, interceding on their behalf. So don't ever be afraid to engage in spiritual warfare. Cast out the devil. Rebuke his plans. Void those things. Listen, you have the authority to do so. Remember how I talked about that relationship that we have with the Father? It reminds me of the old church where they used to have kitchen after service. How many of y'all remember kitchen after service some of y'all miss them greasy tacos i know i do they would sell all kinds of good stuff i mean it was just that wonderful homemade food mm. so the pastor he, he 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 couldn't help but observe his son the pastor of the church as the not this church we don't do a kitchen here um um maybe i ought to bring that back no i'm kidding <laughs> i'm just kidding the women are looking at me all side-eyed like you mean the devil is a liar bring back the kitchen Trying to get hot in the North County heat. Are you kidding me? Um, pastor observed, and at this particular church, they would give the pastor and his family free food. And he couldn't help but observe one day his little son, his little son, about five or six years old, was, was ready for, for kitchen. He was ready to go have his lunch. And he went right to the front of the line. <laughs> it was a long line of people. Went, just, just cut his way to the front of the line. Nepotism is a powerful thing. And so <laughs> he gets right to the front of the line. And he puts in his order, and he goes and sits down, and the, the, the ladies from the church really bring him a suit. And the pastor was, like, like really taken back by his kids' actions. Like, I got to put some better manners in my kids than that. And he goes and he talks to him, and the kid said this. He goes, but you're my dad. My dad's the pastor of the church. So he knew he had special privileges. Listen, the principle of that is this. Because you are the son of God. You have special privilege and you have authority to bind and rebuke every weapon of the enemy and everything that he would try to do over your life. You just have to use it. Engage in spiritual warfare. Don't allow the attacks of the enemy to go unchallenged. Challenge those things. Rebuke those things. War against those things. And this is the last thing right here. Express your faith and God's ability, it concludes by saying, for thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Listen, this is not a dismissal from prayer. This is a declaration that God has all the power and he has all the authority. And I love that because you need to end your prayer with faith. Shout that back to me. Say faith. Come on, say it like you believe it. Say faith. See, when you close your prayers in faith, here, here's something that's powerful. You cannot lift up fear and faith at the same time. You cannot speak insecurity and faith at the same time. 
You cannot speak worry and faith at the same time. You cannot speak fear and faith at the same time. So when you are done praying, the last thing you got to do is say the things that are going to lift up faith before the presence of God and know that, God, you've heard my prayer, and now you're going to do what you do. Now you're going to do what only you can do. You're going to open up doors that were closed. You're going to heal my family member that was sick. You're going to make a way when it looks like there is no way. I'm going to close this thing with faith. You might be saying, but what if he doesn't do it? Listen, do you want to know the most powerful thing about prayer is this? God always answers our prayers. You might be thinking to yourself, always? But I prayed for this to happen, and it still happened. Listen, I didn't say that he answers your prayer. I'm saying that he answers prayer. And he will always do what he wills to do. And so even if it doesn't go the way you expected it to go, it's going to go the way God expects it to go. You have to have the posture to know that God knows best. That's why we lift up faith in prayer. Because even when it doesn't go the way you wanted it to go, it went the way God wanted it to go. And now you need to reposition your post the posture of your heart. Reposition that thing because now it's not about the prayer not working. You got to start working. There's been a lot of times where what I wanted God to do and what he did weren't the same thing. But that's what yielding to his will is, is when it doesn't go the way you wanted it to go, it went the way God wanted it to go. So I praise him anyway. So I lift up my worship anyway. So I clap my hands and I lift up faith anyway because when it's all said and done, when I've prayed the prayer now, it's going to go the way it's supposed to go. Can you get that? I know I'm ending kind of heavy. You're like, oh, so my aunt may not be healed. Maybe not through your prayer. But, but we believe healing happens in three ways. It's either going to happen miraculously and instantaneously. That's the first way God heals. The second way God heals is he's going to do it alongside medicine. So if you're undergoing treatment and you pray, God will heal you alongside medicine. And then there's the third healing. This is the one that we struggle with. God heals you when you get to heaven. And now someone doesn't like to hear that because we want it to always be the miracle. But understand, you don't get to go to heaven with your sickness. So whether you receive your healing here and now or when you get to heaven, just know that your prayer is being answered. Healing is coming. Now I use that to as a principle to demonstrate now that your prayer will always be answered. Your prayer will always be answered. It may not be the way you want it to go. But it went the way God wanted it to go. And so now you got to change your posture to lean in that his way is the best way. And he knows better than I know. So I'm going to give God praise and I'm going to clap my hands and I'm going to shout now because I know that he answered it his way. Come on, clap your hands, Lighthouse, if you believe that it's always going to be done his way. Thank you. I, I went about five minutes over. I apologize in advance for that. But y'all were just an amazing church to preach. I love you. Are y'all getting this? I just gave you a blueprint for prayer. For prayer, that was a plan. That's how you approach God, and I want you to approach God like that here going forward. Can we do that? We're gonna approach God like that here going forward. Right there where you are, would you? If this message has blessed your life, I want to encourage you to share this message with others, or go online to our website and consider making a donation so that we can continue bringing you content just like today's message. God bless you.